This program is sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Zion's sake, I'll not hold my peace. Welcome to For Zion's Sake. Isaiah 62.1 is taken directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures when the prophet Isaiah declared, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet, until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Your hosts for the program are Shelley and June Volk, Jewish believers burdened to see Jew and Gentile become one. Believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. Thank you for joining us. We're the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. We started the week by reading a devotion calling called Living at Headquarters and spoke about Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 13, the story of the centurion coming to Jesus. And I'd like to read that devotion again. As a disciple, I must be rightly connected at all times with my headquarters. Where is it? Paul gives the location. Seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things above. Heaven is the nerve center of everything that controls my life, or the life of the church, or even the life of the world. Just as a soldier lives in the mind of his commanding officer, so I must live in the mind of Jesus. Phrases like independent operation, unilateral action, and self-devised plan never occur in the vocabulary of the military man. He waits for the signal from the proper authority, then he moves. My failure in many areas of my discipleship stems from misinterpreting the signals from my command post. Sometimes I have read my own desires into the command and acted as if the command were mine. Sometimes I simply could not hear the signal because it was drowned out by the interference of the world. There is only one cure for failure. Stay closely tuned to your command post. I must not be distracted by earthly activities, rumors, or fears. I even must not let frontline action dictate my next move. If I live in my headquarters, that is, keep my mind in heaven, and what is going on there, it will make a vast difference in my behavior on earth. I wonder how many important things on earth are really important in heaven. How many things that I consider essential are really peripheral? Does heaven even worry about the things that vex and worry me? Are they top priority with God? If I could only visit my command post and visibly see what is top draw to my commander, I think I would come back with a complete reversal of my priorities. This I must do, for I am a man under authority, the authority of my commander-in-chief, Jesus the Messiah. This ties in so perfectly with uh, Matthew 8, beginning at verse 5, the story of the uh, centurion. And I'm reading from verses 5 to 13. And when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, entreating him, and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering great pain. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, to another come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. 
Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from east and west and and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom shall be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, let it be done to you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very hour. So we see that this centurion was connected to headquarters, but we also see that Jesus was always connected in headquarters, at headquarters, because whatever he did came from the Father. And Junie, the result of this was that Jesus marveled and said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. And we'd like to look today at examples in the Bible of great faith when men came under the authority that they saw in Jesus. For example, in the first two verses in Matthew 8, we see an example of this. Verses 1 and 2 in Matthew 8. And when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and bowed down to him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. We see that the leper bowed down. It was a picture of humility as when he came to the Lord. And verse 3 gives us the conclusion. And he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. A remarkable story because when lepers, um, when we read about lepers in the Old Testament, nobody was allowed to touch them. They were isolated. But here Jesus came with the authority from on high, touched the leper, and brought forth healing. Go with us to uh, Matthew chapter 9. We see again another example of great faith. When we look at chapter 9, verses 27 and 28, we see these words. And as Jesus <coughs> excuse me, passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Have mercy on us, son of David. And after he had come into the house, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Verse 29, Then he touched their eyes, saying, Be it done to you according to your faith. This was great faith. There were two blind men who came to Jesus, and they believed the word of God. The faith in them was great faith, just as demonstrated by the leper and just as demonstrated by the centurion that we were speaking about throughout this week. Go with us, if you have your Bible, to Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 22. This is the story of the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus because her daughter was demon-possessed. Matthew 22, I'm sorry, Matthew 15, verses 22 to 28. The woman bowed down before the Lord again. We need to see that if we are supposed, if we are going to have authority, the great humility is needed to accept the authority that comes down from above through Jesus. Are we submitted to the word of God? Have we committed our life? Have we given authority over to Jesus to do with us as he sees fit? The conclusion of this story we find in verse 28 in Matthew 15. It says, Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed. Again, 
great faith was demonstrated by people throughout the scriptures because they acknowledged the authority in Jesus. And we as believers are so desperately in need of demonstrating to a lost and a dying world that we have come under the authority of Jesus, that our life is lived by obeying him, by living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That is a testimony to a world that is slipping further and further away from God where darkness is prevailing and we need to see the light from heaven through Jesus and live according to his word. Another example of great faith, again in Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 18. This is the story about the synagogue official who again came bowed down before him And he said to Jesus when he bowed down, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. You know, you talk about great faith. What could demonstrate greater faith than this when an official of the synagogue comes to Jesus, the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel? It doesn't say whether this man believed in him. He just knew that this man had authority, the same authority that the centurion saw in him. And he said, My daughter has died. And yet, he was willing to put aside everything natural, everything in his natural mindset, and come to Jesus. And then we see in verse 23 in Matthew 9, And when Jesus came into the official's house and saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder, he began to say, Depart, for the girl has not died but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. Of course they laughed at him because they were men who had no idea of the power that was in Jesus or an understanding of the Spirit of God. Verse 25, But when the crowd had been put out, he entered and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And this news went out unto all the land. Powerful testimonies of great faith. And so I ask you, who was more blind the blind men that came up to Jesus and desired for him to restore their sight, or those that could naturally see at the synagogue's officials' home and believe their eyes more than believed in the Son of God who had authority in heaven and really does have all authority in our lives when we give it to him. He can raise the dead. He can restore our sight. He can heal our soul. So really to have great faith is to give our heart, give our life to the Lord and ask him to heal us, body, soul, and spirit, and trust because his word is true that he is able and he is willing, and he's simply waiting for us, not as a last resort, yes. but every moment of every day, you, devoting Lord. our life, bowing down to him, coming up to him, requesting of him, and desiring to know him and to live our life in and through him and allow him to live his life in and through us. And then we will be the witness to a lost and dying world and we will also be a witness in the church because today 
in the church, unfortunately, many messages go out saying, if you do this, here's what you can get, when really the gospel is, we should bow down to the Holy One of Israel, Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, because of who he is, not because of what he can give us. It's well said, Junie, and I pray that our listeners take that with us as a result of this week's programming. And may we all come to the place that we could say, In him I live and move and have my being, because I have accepted his authority, and I live to bring forth the glory of God. We are called to live a divine and resurrected life, and with all the power and blessedness of that new life. Well, this is being, this being Friday, we want to again identify ourselves with our Jewish kinsmen and recite the Shema, and we invite you to say it with us if you know the words. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Father, we thank you, Lord. We pray that you would open up the blinded eyes of our Jewish people that they might see the Messiah Jesus. We pray that you open up eyes of those who call upon you, who not are, who are not just interested in going to heaven, but are interested in being good and faithful servants here on earth, demonstrating your life, coming under the authority of the Holy One of Israel and living accordingly. We pray this in Yeshua's holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelley and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona 85252. That's P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona 85252. And you can also contact them on their website, Shelley and June Volk. Dot com. That's Shelley and Junevolk.com. Until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This program was sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund.